You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. everyone and welcome to the Cyberwire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So we, as part of our work, we do routine analysis of the um, customers' environments related to how non-human identities are connected to their environments and specifically in the Google workspace environment. And, and we saw something a bit odd. That's Tal Skverer, research team lead at Asterix Security. Today we're discussing their work, Ghost Token, exploiting GCP application infrastructure to create invisible, unremovable Trojan app on Google accounts. an app whose name was changed from we wish you we usually see apps that have like this uh, you know readable names like uh, Google Drive for work stuff like that but in this case we saw an app whose name was identical to its identifier which is just like a, a chain of random letters hmm. uh, so when we dived a little more deeper into that, we speculated that this happens if the developer of the app deletes the app. And then the backend at Google gets confused and doesn't know where to take the name from. And when we looked a little more deeper into that, uh, we found out that when you create an app in Google, it's actually contained within a, a project in Google Cloud Platform, which is uh, the cloud infrastructure that Google provides. And then we went ahead and created our own app within some project in GCP. And when we deleted the app itself, then the same thing happened. The name of the app became its unique identifier. But uh, then we wondered what would happen if we deleted the entire project inside of, instead of just deleting the app. And when we deleted the project, actually the same thing happened. So the name of the app was identical to its ID. 
But in GCP, they have this nice feature that because a project usually contains large amount of data that may be important, they give you 30 days to regret your decision to delete the app, uh, to delete the project, sorry, it's, and it's important. And you can restore the project to its original state. And we noticed that when we, when the project is deleted, it's actually not really deleted. It's like an appending deletion state, some kind of a limbo state. And during this time, all the users that install the app that is contained within the project in GCP, they cannot see the app in their management page. So every user who installed maybe, I don't know, tens of apps can see all the apps and the permissions that they gave them in a single page. And if the project that belonged to, to some app is deleted or pending deletion, then they cannot see the app. Hmm. But we notice that if we decide to restore the project before 30 days have passed, then all the original tokens, which is basically the unique password given by Google to the app that they, the app can use to access the user's data, they start working again. So the whole attack scenario was pretty clear at this point. Let's say that a victim uh, installs an attacker's app. Immediately when the, the victim does that, the attacker can immediately delete the project that is associated with the app because the attacker controls this project. Uh, once they do this, the victim cannot remove this app anymore because it, it's removed from the management page. But the attacker at any time can restore the app quickly access the victim's data, and then delete the project again so the app uh, returns to this pending deletion state. And this can go on forever because every time you restore and delete the project, the 30 days, uh, they start again, they refresh. So just so I, I'm clear here, I'm, I'm a, a user, I download a, and install a Google app, and it turns out that that app is malicious. And in installing that app, I have to grant that app permissions to access various things in my Google environment. Could be my email, could be my files, whatever. And so what you're saying is that what, what you've discovered here is that the bad actor, if I go ahead and install a malicious app, this mechanism allows the bad actors to basically disappear for a while and then pop back up, grab some data, and then disappear for a while and they could do that forever, and, and chances are I would not know. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And so what is going on under the hood with Google that allowed this to happen? Okay, so I guess you can call this hindsight, but after the fact, and when I prepared my uh, talk in the upcoming DEF CON, I wondered what happened to, that this 
scenario even happened in the first place. Mm. And it led me to dive deep into the uh, protocol called OAuth. It's uh, an authorization protocol released about a decade ago that basically powers this whole interaction between users, developers who have apps, and Google. And when I looked into this protocol, uh, I noticed that while it really gives a good outline of how the protocol is supposed to work, it ignores two very crucial things that basically allow this ghost token vulnerability to exist in the first place. The first thing is the question of what happens when you need to register an app. So the, the original uh, standard for OAuth doesn't really deal with that. It leaves a lot of uh, information uh, to be decided by Google in this case. In, in, actually, in this instance, Google decided to include app registration within GCP, which actually caused this whole you know, project deletion, pending deletion, and restore uh, scenario. And the second part that was missing from the original protocol is what happens in the user management page. Because if Google would have allowed you know, a more thorough um, uh, audit log of all accesses done by any apps to your account, this whole vulnerability would be irrelevant because you will, you will be able to see any access done by apps to your account. So the attacker couldn't have hidden their app from the user. So these two missing pieces was well, actually a big reason uh, that the vulnerability existed in the first place. Hmm. And so you reached out to Google here to, to let them know, and uh, they've been responsive? Yeah. So actually, they were really responsive at the beginning, and I think about two months after I uh, submitted it, they, I got the famous uh, nice catch, and they uh, started working on the fix, but apparently it wasn't that easy to fix. Like the origin of the vulnerability came from deep infrastructure of Google. It has to do with how projects work in GCP and how apps within project works and what they display to users and how they handle tokens. And I guess this was one of the reasons that caused Google to uh, take a lot of time before they uh, found a good fix for it. And during this process, they were uh, quite responsive. They were talking to me and we were trying to understand best what's the good way to solve this issue. And so ultimately, what happened? So at the end, they decided to, let's say, fix the issue by letting the users still see apps that have been deleted. They didn't fix the issue. They didn't see an issue in the fact that a project enters a pending deletion state and you're able to restore it. This is works as intended. Uh, so they just changed it so uh, users can see projects that, uh, sorry, apps that belong to projects that are pending deletion. Is there any evidence that anyone had been making use of this functionality? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. I've been really wanting to know if, if it's correct or not, uh, if it's true or not. But uh, it's it's very difficult to find out. Uh, and the reason is that even if you are, let's say, an, an administrator in your Google Workspace organization, then you have more extensive audit logs about accesses done by apps. But the problem is that when you try to find out in hindsight if someone exploited this vulnerability, then all the accesses from this kind of apps 
would look just like any other app because when the attacker restores the project associated with the app and then access the user's data, then it looks like just another normal log of an app who has a, a correct name. Yeah, the name issue is fixed when you restore the app. So there is basically no good way to find out if anyone abused this. I'll also add that the problem is that deleting apps happen naturally in statistically in, I don't know, in several cases. We see it in, a, in environments that we work on. Uh, so this makes it even harder because let's say you found an app who accessed your user data that is now deleted. You don't know if someone exploited the ghost token vulnerability or maybe the developer of the app decided to quit and delete the app. It happens. So what are your recommendations then for, for folks who think that this may be a concern? What can they do? My first recommendation for people who are afraid of that is basically start by monitoring your... You have a special page as a Google user where you can see all apps that have access to your account and their permissions. So start monitoring that and remove any app that you don't trust the developer enough with your Google data. I recently found out that, I meet, that my TV has full access to my Google account for some reason. Hmm. Yeah. So this is basically my uh, recommendation for regular uh, Google consumers and anyone who with an admin of a Google Workspace account, I recommend uh, making restrictions on new apps that your users can uh, add. For instance, there is a nice policy in Google Workspace that allows you to say any new apps that my users are going to install themselves will be unable to access their Drive or their Gmail, which, is the, which are the most sensitive uh, services in Google. Our thanks to Tal Skverer from Asterix Security for joining us. The research is titled Ghost Token, Exploiting GCP Application Infrastructure to Create Invisible, Unremovable Trojan App on Google Accounts. We'll have a link in the show notes. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. The 
CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.